Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. in episode or part two of our series I am 10 and what we're doing is from every year that we've been in ministry we've been highlighting a main message from that year and we're revisiting it together so today we're going to revisit a message from 2008 this message um, is is special to me I'll never forget this message we were actually in a living room in um, Miami Gardens at the time and there was a few of us I would say maybe you know I don't know 20 30 of us that day and um, we were in a living room, and I'll never forget, God gave me this message, and it happened because during the week, I don't know if you guys have seen the Billy Graham, um, the Billy Graham classics that come out on TV, and he mentioned a quote, and I'm going to mention it a, a, again at some point in my message, but Billy Graham mentions a quote, and in one of his messages, he said, so many people want the crown before the cross. So many people want the crown before the cross, and it really touched my life, and I'll never forget this in 2008 I still have some memory that I can remember 2008 and um, I went to 2008 and I remember that I, I sat down and I wrote down what Billy Graham said some people want the crown before the cross and it came a message that today I'm going to revisit and share with you which is titled the cross before the crown and um, what an awesome song that we sang and what an awesome opportunity that we were able to take uh, the Lord's Supper communion together on this Lord's Supper Sunday and then share such a message like this and um, it, it really is uh, just a reminder for us, as I, I never forget sharing this, uh, um, people till today will still tell me, man, I still remember, you know what message I still remember that you preached? I remember the message, the cross before the crown. And I said, well, we'll keep coming because we're going to do a series and I'm, and I'm going to revisit that one. And uh, so it's just a, a blessing to be able to share this message again. Hallelujah. Praise God. The cross before the crown. You know, think about the cross. Think about a cross and, and think about a crown. And um, think about a piece of, um, just a, a piece of jewelry that you rather wear. I would rather wear a crown, obviously, than I would a cross. You think about a cross, and a cross is not something that is so pleasing to the eyes or pleasing to the body. Um, I know that when someone is hung on a cross, they're hung with massive nails through their Somewhere around maybe their wrist, around their ankles, and um, I don't know, it doesn't sound like I want to just rock a cross, you know. Many of you might be wearing a cross on, around a necklace or some sort of bracelet, anklet. Maybe some of you have a tattoo of a cross on you and all those things because the cross has become a symbol of what Christianity, of Christianity, hasn't it? The cross, the fish, things like that. But the cross is definitely a symbol. And... Um, I know I always tell people that's, you know, we've just, we've gotten used to the cross being a religious symbol. But in reality, a cross would be like if you're rocking like a, 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 an electric chair around your necklace. <laughs> what are you wearing there? It's just an electric chair, you know. What are you wearing? There's a gas chamber, you know, just, just got a tattoo of a, of a gas chamber on my back. You know, that, that's what a cross was. A cross was the number one form of execution that the Romans used in, the, in those times. So, so I really want you to put that to perspective today. It's, it's, it's more than a tattoo, and, and, and I'm sure your tattoo is lovely, and it's more than jewelry. I'm sure it's lovely. 
um, but it was the number one form of execution that the Romans, the Romans used it for that, all right? So, so the cross was something that was very serious. So when I say, what, what do you rather carry every day? What you rather, what you rather wear, huh? You rather re- be wearing a cross or you b- rather be wearing a crown? Don't get super religious and spiritual on me. I know most of you will say, I'm cool with the crown. They <laughs> just gave me the crown. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm all right with the crown. And I don't blame you for that. I think I want the crown too. But, you know, I, I believe this. Um, look. Nah, just stay looking at me. I was going to say, look at that person next to you. But then you guys start talking and misbehaving and all that stuff, and I can't get you back. But look at me for a second. You know, every single one of you, have you ever, I don't know, maybe you haven't, but maybe today will be the day that you do, sense that there is some form of importance in you. There is some sense of importance in you. You know, we might feel like, well, no, you know, I'm very humble. There's nothing important. I'm, you know, I'm just a broken man, and there's nothing good in me, and I'm a sinner, and I know all that stuff. But, but just having a conversation with you, just a little bit of pride comes out every once in a while. That's because you feel some sense of importance in you. So the pride comes out sometimes because you feel like you deserve that. You're, you're proud of yourself. In a sense, it could be wrong, but in a sense, it's not so bad, right? All right? But I believe that God puts that in us, and I believe that, that God allows that to grow in us. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I believe every single person in here, if, you gr- if you're growing in the Lord, you're at a place or you will be at a place where you sense that there is some sort of royalty in you. Royalty in you. That, 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 that there's something in you that desires a crown. You know, when you watch ladies, maybe Mrs. America or whatever those pageants are, there's something in you like, I wonder how that would be if I were to... You know, guys, when you see a championship, if you're into sports and you see a championship game and you see them lift up the trophy, you're like, I wonder how that I would feel if I just won the Super Bowl or the World Series. All of us desire that crown in some way or another, somewhere in there. I don't know if I'm talking to the right people, but, but I know when I watch a championship game, I'm like, I wonder how that would be, you know what I'm saying? Going in the parade and there's a million people that show up from your city and they're all cheering your name. And I'm walking around just saying, we're the champions of the world. I wonder how that would feel, rocking a crown before people and, and sensing that, that feeling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? All right. You guys are doing an amazing job. It's a long weekend and you're at church, all right? Let's keep going. Let's do this. Praise God. This is good. I want to read a scripture to you. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. Everyone say, the cross, the cross. before the crown. Some of you are like, no, I don't want to say that. I want the crown. All right, 1 Peter 5, 4, Peter says, and when, when, when the chief shepherd appears, when, when Christ appears, you, you will receive, you know, he talks about this, and I don't have time to go into the whole context because I'm going to go over a lot of points, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. But he mentions this, that when Christ comes, that you're, we are gonna, we're going to receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And Peter goes into talking about that each one of us are going to be given a crown of glory. So, so for all of you guys that watch the Super Bowl championship, girls that watch the pageants and see the crown given, guess what? All of us here in Christ, though, okay, hopefully we're all in Christ, we will receive the crown of glory that doesn't fade away. Who was, um, real quick, real, who, who's into like um, um, a sports? Who's into sports here? All right, Danny, you're into sports. Yes, thank you for picking Danny, God. All right, Danny. Okay, you're into sports. Give me um, a sport. Give me a, a, it can't be football. Any other sport but football? Basketball. 
Okay, basketball. Give me the championship from four years ago. Go. Stop. You see, this is what happens here. You see, it's just, it's just a thought. It's just a thought. Because what really matters is, Danny, it doesn't matter who the champion is from four years ago. What matters is, who's the current reigning champion now? Right? Because four years ago, that glory, guess what? It already faded away. Some of those guys that won four years ago are empty now, and they're still looking for another championship. They still can't rejoice in the championship that was won four years ago, so they're still looking for another one four years later. But I have some good news for the believer. We're in a game, and we've won the championship already before it even finishes, and the crown doesn't fade away. So when the heavenlies ask, well, who's the champion? There is no thought. The crown that is worn that never fades away belongs to the children of God. We are the reigning champs in Jesus. And, and that's a beautiful thing to know. Let me tell you why that's a beautiful thing to know. Because maybe I share something in common with many of you and it's this. I don't like to lose. And everything that I do, I want to win. Any, any winners in here? Yeah, notice I didn't say any sore losers in here. But, but any winners in here? I like to win. I don't care if I'm play, playing against my children. I'm winning. That whole thing was like, you're going to mess up their self-esteem. Deal with it. I'm winning. If I'm playing with my wife, I'm winning. Well, you know, you should let the lady win sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm winning. Because, you know, then she gets used to it. She thinks she can win every once in a while. No, I'm winning. And a lot of times she beats me. But <laughs> she's much brighter and amazing, much better than I am. But whatever. I can't hide that. If you know this person, you know, that. Like, yeah, yeah, nice try. But we, excuse you. She said, yeah, that's true. That's a mess. Nice. <laughs> Amen. The cross before the crown. The chief appears and we're going to receive this. It sounds great that we're going to receive a crown. And, and, and one of glory. I love that, that it's not just a crown. But, but Peter says it's a crown of glory. And it's one that doesn't fade away. And, and I look at that, I'm like, that's me. I want that. I desire that. How can I get this? I want this. And when we read this in Christ, we recognize that all of us will receive this. But, but it's a process. The crown will be given, but the life must be lived. The, the crown will be given upon us, but, but it's a process that can't be overlooked and it can't be skipped. We can't skip that. It's, yes, we want a crown, and it's very easy to just put on this crown and wear a crown. Very easy to carry it on and, and to show people, man, the, the glory and the majesty of wearing a crown. Like they do when they parade around the streets, and like she does when she wins the pageant and she parades herself and they sing a song to her. And then Harvey has to go back and say, you're actually not the champion, it was the other girl and all that. That's a beautiful thing that Jesus won't do that to you. Oh, I made a mistake. Actually, it wasn't you. It was the person in the line behind you. you weren't, you're actually going to hell. I messed up on that one. <laughs> Thank God Jesus isn't Steve Harvey, but, but bless his soul anyways. Steve, he dealt with a lot already. He got what it, he got it. But, but it's so easy to leave it on and, and receive. You know, you know the crown, you know, receiving from the benefits of that crown, right? Well, you know, when people wear crowns, what do you say? Yes, your majesty. Things like that, yes, king, yes, your lordship, whatever, you guys get it. Crowns are a, a position of honor, right, of majesty. It's, it's, 
It's easy to receive that and the benefits from wearing a crown and people hearing them all of it and of the position of it. It's wonderful to have its glory to look splendid and and marvelous and to to fear how superior it is to rock a crown. But, But then I talk about the cross, right? The cross before the crown. The cross is totally different. The cross, you know, I said earlier, who wants to be seen wearing that and, and, and placed on that? And what king wants to stand before a multitude of people? And instead of demonstrating the crown on his head, listen to this, he'd rather show off the cross on his back. Man. That before, standing before a people in his glory and, and wearing a beautiful crown, he stands before his creation. And the first thing that he ever shows off before he ever shows off a crown, is a cross. It's a cross before his people. Like, I guess we could say it's also a cross of glory, huh? Because we could easily say it's a cross of death. Because that's what the cross represents, death. The cross is an instrument of death. It's hard to take up. It's hard to show people the cross instead of living a life of so-called pleasures. And we're now going to be called to live a life of, of death and and we're carrying this tool, right, this execution tool, this tool of execution. We're carrying it that executes death every day in our lives. The cross and the crown. Think about that for a moment. Two different things, but one cannot be given unless the other one is taken up first. That the way, the way to receive one is, is entering through the other. I asked earlier, you know, how many of us would want a crown and maybe all of us would raise our hands. And if I tell you the price of the crown, you might like it. You could put it up on eBay and you could sell it in whichever form you want. You know, or you could just keep it and put it in a nice shelf in a box with the right temperature and all that good stuff. But you might do something about it. But if I, but if I tell you now, okay, cool, all of you raise your hands, but you know that, that the way to a, for that crown to be accessible to you, it's... It's through a doorway and it's through a path and it, and it leads through the cross. How many of you still want that crown? If God shows you the revelation today that I'm going to give you a crown, but the way to that crown is actually through a mighty cross. Well, that's not fair, God, right? Because he didn't have to go through a cross before he went and received his crown. You guys are with me? The cross before the crown. Jesus took on a cross. You know that. Jesus took on a cross. He took up his cross before he ever received his crown in all of eternity as scripture was going to be fulfilled. In the times of Jesus, it was an interesting moment, and it still really is. Israel's an interesting, interesting. the demographics in Israel are, are very interesting, and, and, and the religion of Israel and what's going on in Israel is very interesting. When you guys come with us now, and just, and just months away, and we take a bunch of you guys to Israel with us, you're going to recognize that and see that. You're going to feel good and safe and feel all, all kinds of emotions and feelings. But you're also going to see, wow, this is different than any place I've ever been to in this world. And during this time of Israel and Jesus, Israel for so many years was, was waiting for something specifically. Still today, they're waiting for, for a powerful Messiah to arrive. A Messiah, and, and they're waiting for him. And they waited for him during Jesus' time, before Jesus' time, and after Jesus resurrected. They're still waiting for a so-called powerful Messiah to still come. And the reality now is we're some 2,000 plus years after Jesus' resurrection. You and I know something because we've come to the revelation and believe in this amazing secret that has now been revealed, right? That now salvation is ours because of Jesus who was and is the Messiah. So they missed it and they're still missing it today. 
many Jews and even many Gentiles, they, they didn't receive Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, as their anointed one, as Scripture had prophesied. And, and they refused to, and, and they just labeled him as, oh, he's just one of our other great prophets. And during Jesus' time here, the Jewish people, they're waiting for this Messiah to come and for the one who would come and reign over them and take over their enemies like Rome at this time and, and lead Israel to a powerful great nation again and, and finally give us the land that belongs to us and clear once and for all all the enemies of our land. Isn't it funny that Israel's still dealing with that? Yeah, they got some land, but do you know that if you really study the promise given to the Father back in the Old Testament, you will recognize that Israel is way bigger than the strip where they're at right now and they're still longing for land and they had to give pieces of land to Palestine. Palestinians over here and Palestinians over there and they're sharing land and they're sharing holy places with Muslims and, and it's, it's, it's still a mess and they're waiting for a Messiah to come and free them finally from this bondage. You'll, you'll, you'll talk to any Jewish person living in Israel and you'll see that being a Jewish person in that area is a constant walking on eggshells. Any, anything can cause anything at any time and, and it's very dangerous at times to, to live freely here like you and I live freely here right now we could go outside and and we could say things and and maybe necessarily right now not be persecuted and and do things and and necessarily not be stabbed or killed and and the jewish people don't have the right to do that necessarily all the time and and they're waiting and 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 and, and here they are waiting for the messiah and and, and it's gonna happen jesus is it has great plans for the middle east and for that area if you study the bible you're not ignorant to that. You'll recognize that, that the Lord has something prepared for that region. And um, he's not done um, with that region. Actually, if you really study scripture, he's just getting started with that region. Amen? Okay, good. And it's still happening. It's going to happen. And Jesus, you know, the Lord, Yahweh, he will fulfill, he will fulfill everything that needs to be fulfilled. But, but, but even in this time, many people... And, and many false disciples, they, they followed Jesus and, and they thought, well, here he is, finally, our king, our Messiah. But then something happened. Jesus began to speak. And when Jesus began to speak, he brought problems. I hope this is a church that when your pastor begins to speak, it brings problems. Not that when your pastor speaks, you hear everything you want to hear. Because I want to be like Jesus, man. And, and there were some times that Jesus said things that, hey, sorry if you don't like it, but, but it's the truth. Many times it complicated people's lifestyles. It complicated the way people lived. It complicated the way people thought. But, but Jesus was okay with being that person and, and bringing forth that truth at that time. And, and he began to speak and he began to teach things to his followers and to the massive crowds. And then they began to complain. They began to complain. They complained among themselves and they started to say things like, why does he teach the things that he teaches? Why does he say the things that he says? They're too hard. Look at the things that they used to say. They're too hard to understand. Stop lying. It's too convicting for you to face it. That's what you really want to say. That's what they were really saying. It's, cool. it's too convicting for us. What do you think? What do you think he came to do? He didn't come to keep you the same. He loves you. But he loves you so much that he wants to free you from keeping you the same. Of course he's going to convict you sometimes. Of course he's going to do that. And, 
So, so a lot of these people began to grumble and complain amongst each other. And they saw this man, yes, he was a humble man, but, but then they see a man, Jesus, that starts to talk about dying. Dude, I thought we were going to be your army and, and rule and reign, but you're talking about dying. And he began to share a message that others are, not only am I going to die, but watch this, you're also going to die and you're going to die for me. You're like, what? That's not necessarily what we had in mind. And, and if you're going to follow me, you need to first understand the place of death. And, and he spoke about things like, I'm going to be delivered to a cross. And he spoke a message and he spoke a message about the cross constantly, the cross and the cross. And it probably drove his listeners crazy. And no wonder Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. It is the power of God, you know, power of God unto salvation that, that, that the true followers of Jesus were like, talk to us more, more about the cross. And then those that were rejecting the gospel of the cross were, stop talking about that. It irritates me. Who wants to take on a cross? You're supposed to be a king. We're supposed to be the cabinet of leaders. We want a crown. The Messiah comes to give a cross instead of the crown. And Jesus says, well, who's with me? There was one time when he was speaking and there was, there was a massive crowd. I mean, massive, thousands of people. And he began to preach the cross message. And he began to preach what you just took, my body and my blood and crazy things like that. It says that everyone left him. And Jesus says, well, where did everyone go? And when he turns around, his disciples were the only ones left. And he's like, come on. Aren't you going to go with them? You remember this from last week. And Peter said what? You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? Thousands flocked around him. But a few stood with him. Because the Bible says many are called. But a few take up the call of chosen. A few remain. When things really get difficult and hard and bloody... There was a, a group of them, and we say 12, but we knew that one of them was being worked by Satan. But 11 of them stayed, and, and they received, and they believed this message of his words of the cross. And it's so much that in, I don't have time to go to it, but in John chapter 1, verse 41, if you remember Andrew, who was one of his disciples, would become one of his disciples. He becomes, and he hears about Jesus, and he begins to follow Jesus. And what does Andrew do? He runs to his brother Peter. And he tells Peter, we found the Messiah. Listen to what he says. We found the anointed one. And he brings Peter to Jesus. He tells his disciples as he begins to grow in disciples and in followers, he tells them something that we went over last week in Philippians 2. I'm going to just reread it. Sorry for being repetitive, but sometimes we need to understand something we have to. And, and he says in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, look what he tells his disciples, his followers, that he's going to be delivered and crucified. I'll share it again this week. It said, he made himself of no, actually this was two weeks ago. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of man. He being found in the appearance as man, humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death. Well, what kind of death, church? That death of a what? Of a cross. We went over a few weeks ago about being emptied really live filled if you remember that message and here's Jesus emptying himself again right by taking the form of a bond servant 
becoming in the likeness of a man. In other words, he empties himself by taking upon himself something that he never necessarily knew before, which is humanity. He didn't lay aside his deity, only, in, 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 only he placed it all in heaven. And, and, and only for, for a temporary time, a time just for a moment. But it says that he went through a death, even the death of a cross by crucifixion. Crucifixion, the most shameful form of execution. I shared with you, it might be compared to the electric chair, gas chamber, the gallows. But it's reserved only for the worst of criminals, for murderers. And that was the form of death that was reserved, reserved for heaven's finest. Man, heaven's finest took on what the earth's worst had to offer. He must die the shameful death of the cross. Chapter 2, verse 9. He did not seek a name for himself, but he humbled himself. He, he took on the cross. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus, before ever taking on a crown, he, he took on the cross. And Revelation 14 and 19 and Hebrews tells us this. Revelation 14, 14. And I looked and behold, there was a white cloud, and on that cloud sat one like the Son of Man, and having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand he had a sharp sickle. He was reigning in glory, in majesty, and in power. The, re the revelator saw it, and as he was getting this revelation, he saw, I saw Jesus. And when I saw him this time, this is, this is, this is one of his very own disciples that did life with him. And, and if you remember closely, he, he was at the feet of Jesus when Jesus died on the cross. But now as he's taken to this revelation place, he says, the way I see him now is not the way I saw him on the cross. And now he's coming in the form of a cloud. And he has a crown of glory on his head. And he's got a rod of rulership in his hand. What I saw in this vision is powerful. But I saw that. I saw that. But remember the first image I ever saw of him was the one on the cross. What he gave humanity. In Revelations 19, 12, it says that on his head, on the head of Jesus, on his head were many crowns. Were many crowns. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, look unto Jesus. He is the author of and he's the finisher of your faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Look at this. He endured the cross. He despised, despising the shame. And he has sat down now. Look at this. At the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus' life teaches us a huge lesson. Of that one statement that I made as I started off. The title of this message. That the cross... The cross is worn before the crown. How many of you could say amen? How many cross bearers could say amen? amen? That we can't receive life. What do you mean by all these things? Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is just to get to this point. I can't receive life unless I first experience death. How many of you have really died? How many of you are so alive today? Because of the death that you've actually experienced in your life. Many people believe that life is over just once you die. But we know the word of God. 
Christ shows us that life just begins once we die. You know, our crown, I guess the best way I could say this, is that our crown is just a cross away. That's it. Some of you are thinking about letting go of that cross. Can I speak to your heart for a moment? Don't even think about it. Thank you for coming to church today. Strap yourself back on that cross. It's worth the crown of eternity. How many of you had the hammer in your hand? And you grab that part of the hammer and you're about to take off the nails off. And you're about to jump off your cross. And Jesus says, no, I need you to stay on it a little bit longer. Because in that cross, you're going to find that through it, that there's a crown that awaits you. And number two, the second point that I want to make to you today is that, yeah, we have a cross. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus' very own words, he says that if anyone desires to come after me. Remember, you're, this is getting on podcasts, so the people that are listening to it and will listen to it will not understand this because they weren't in our worship experience. That's why I always tell people it's so important that you, when people miss, like, oh, but I'll listen to it on podcast. No, you got to come to the whole service because then things happen in worship that roll into the message you don't even know about. So for those that are listening right now, you know, what they'll never understand is we went from a place of, right, if anyone desires to come after, we went from a place of bastard worship experience message that happened a little while ago. If anyone desires to come after me, if, if we're, we're done living wild in that aspect and we come after him, but look what he says. Here is the way of after me. Here is the place of coming after me. Ready? Deny yourself and take up your cross and then you follow me. He doesn't skip the cross. He doesn't... How many people just preach this to other people? Ready? You want Jesus, say this prayer after me and everything's going to be good. You forgot to tell them, you might have to bear, you're going to bear a cross too. So then what happens is people are misinformed about Christianity. They think, shoot, everything's not perfect in my life. I guess this Christ was a letdown. No. You got saved, amen, eternity's yours, you could, you, could, you, could, you could be saved in that, you could, you could rest your soul on that, I guess that's the most important thing to rest on your, your soul on it, but also recognize that if you're going to desire and follow him and be his disciple, there's also a, there's also a, a cross that is going to be bared, and every single one of our crosses is different, but nonetheless, it's still your cross, and I respect your cross. You might think your cross weighs more than mine, right? But at the end of the day, your, your cross is your cross and my cross is my cross. But I know this, that if, that if I stay faithful to the cross that God's called me to, he will stay faithful in, in giving me the crown that I, in return, will lay back at his feet. I, I long for a crown, but I recognize that it's, that it's found in living a life with the cross. I, I need to have a relationship with the cross to one day go into a honeymoon and into an eternity with the crown. I, I, won't always, I won't always bear this cross on my back. One day I will, rest assured of this, reign in a crown and with a crown. But for now, I need to just learn and know and be faithful and mature and grow in the lifestyle of the cross. And it's worth it because there's a crown that is just a cross away. A crown is just a cross away. 
Take it up, raise it up, elevate it, lift it up, draw it up, take it upon yourself. Carry what needs to be raised up, bear it, bear away what has been raised, carry it off. That is the definition of taking up. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Lift up implies a, a lifting of the cross on high. Well, why should I lift up the cross? Why? Because you have something that everyone else needs to see. There is a cross and the way to your crown is through this right here that I lift up. It's through the cross. It's through the cross. It's through, it's through the cross. It's, 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 it's not through everything else that the world preaches. I'm telling you right now that your crown is not in your future husband or your future wife or if you have children or if you don't have children or if God's going to use you one day in a ministerial aspect or not or this or that. Your crown is found in the faithfulness of lifting up your cross. Lift up your cross. Lift up your cross. There is a cross that comes before the crown. There's people that need to know about this message because they think that the way to the crown is, hey, as long as Jesus has a spot in my heart, but I can still live like this world, I'll be given a crown. The heck you are. You need to live bearing a cross. You need to live with holiness. You need to live with convictions. You need to live knowing that if there's sin in your life, at least I'm broken about the sin in my life. You can't keep living in sin and yet saying one day you're going to attain a crown. There is a cross before crown just want to make sure this church understands that there's a cross Man. through the cross so many people want the crown before the cross Billy Graham said many people want the crown but they don't want to take the cross and I've shared this passage so many times in this church when I was going to share it today, I almost said I'm just going to skip it because I'm tired of always going to this guy. I feel like I'm always picking on him. But it's um, what scripture knows as the rich young ruler. So Jesus looks at him and, and one day he's like, I, I want to be born again. I want to be saved. What do I have to do and all that stuff? I'm a, he's a good guy. He's young. He's rich. He's... He's got everything looking. I mean, he's a, he's the number one prospect. I mean, if you were looking for a husband for your daughter, you would probably say, that's the kind of guy I want my daughter to marry. But, you know, Jesus sees things a little bit different. Jesus says, you know, it says he looked at him and loved him. I love that, that Jesus, the, this verse says he loved him, but yet just because he loved him didn't say that he wasn't going to confront his life. Just because he loved him didn't say he was not going to call out things in his life that were wrong. Real people that love you are actually going to have that kind of conversation with you. So what does Jesus do with this rich young ruler? I got to talk to you about some things because I love you. I love that, that Mark 10 puts that there. Jesus looking at him loved him. But it doesn't stop there. Because he loved him, he had to say the next thing. I love this church. I really do. So because I love this, I have to preach this message. So, so, so what, does, what does Jesus tell him? He says, one thing you lack. I love you, don't get me wrong, but there's one thing that you lack. Go your way, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you're going to have treasure in heaven. Come take up your cross and follow me. Can we pause for a moment? Is it up there? Watch this. He could have easily just said this, right? And it would have been fine. Wouldn't it have been fine if Jesus would have just said, hey, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor and you will have your treasure in heaven and come and follow me. That sounds pretty good. 
He's telling me to sell everything. He's telling me to give it to the poor. But, but, but he doesn't just say those friendly things. He says truthful things sometimes. And sometimes truthful is not always necessarily friendly, but it's loving. And he says things like, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. You're going to have a treasure in heaven. Trust me, it's worth it. There's a crown. There's a treasure. But it doesn't end it there. He says, oh, yeah, and take up your cross. Take up the cross. Take up the cross and follow me. See, because you could sell everything you have, you could give it to the poor, but not take up your cross and follow me. You're just a good humanitarian. There's a lot of that in this world. Thank God for those people, right? There's a lot of that in this world. Thank God for those people, right? That give millions of dollars to, to works that needs to be done. Thank God for people like that. But that doesn't necessarily gain a salvation. That necessarily doesn't give you an access. I, I gave whatever millions of dollars to this fund. That's actually a very good thing. But that doesn't mean we have full access. And Jesus says, and what he's doing here, he's using the law to produce the knowledge of this man's sin. This young man, he loved his, if he would just love his neighbor as he claimed he loved his neighbor, he would have given everything of his life to his neighbor. But he did, but did he really love his neighbor as himself? Because let's prove it, let's prove it if you really do. Ready? So everything you have, give it to the poor, give it to your neighbor. And, and he, the Bible says he went away sorrowful. He had many great things, many great possessions. The Lord did not mean that this man could, could have been saved by selling everything and giving it to charity. We know that there's only one way, and that is through faith in the Lord that we have received salvation. But, but in order to be saved, a man must acknowledge that, yes, I am a sinner. And the Lord took the man back to the commandments to produce conviction of sin. Listen to this. The rich man's unwillingness to share his possessions showed that he did not love his neighbor as himself. He should have said, Lord, if that's what is required, then I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself by my own efforts. Therefore, I ask you to save me by your grace. But he loved his, pro his property and his stuff so much, he was unwilling to give it up. He refused to break. He refused to break. How many of you remember last Sunday I said, I believe God has some of you that are in a place that just to break. He refused to break. And when Jesus told the man to sell all, he was not giving this as the way of salvation. Listen to this. He was showing the man that he had broken the law of God and therefore needed to be saved. If he had responded to the Savior, to Jesus' instructions, he would have been given the way of salvation. Here is this rich young ruler. He had a chance to take up the cross, but his earthly crown was too precious to him. He could have walked away happy, rejoicing in his new love towards God, towards the Messiah. Instead, he walks away, what Scripture says, filled with sadness and filled with sorrow. You see, gaining a crown here on earth cost him now gaining a crown eventually in eternity. Does that make any sense to anyone? He couldn't receive the cross. And because he couldn't receive the cross, he couldn't receive the treasures that were in heaven. Did you guys catch that's what Jesus was telling him? There is a treasure. It's worth it. You're going to receive it, but there's a cross that you need to pick up and follow me. In Galatians 6.14, I'm just going to move past him because hopefully it landed somewhere. It says, but God forbid that I should boast. Here's Paul. I should boast except in the cross, Paul says, that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus by whom the world has been crucified, has been crucified to me and I to the world. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast except in the cross. I'm going to talk about the cross, Paul says. Paul's ground as the apostle, which many of us, I mean, people have labeled him a saint and put statues. And there's, there's religions that pray and bow down to him and leave fruits to him and all these things. I mean, think about how 
magnified Paul is in this world. And yet Paul says, if I'm going to boast about anything, it's not even about my works. It's about the cross. It's the cross of of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to boast on that, not on my flesh. Don't bow down to me and say a prayer to me. I'm going to boast about the cross. Because on that cross, the world died to Paul. Are you with me? I feel like I lost some of you guys already. (laughs) On that cross, the world died to Paul. And Paul died to this world. And I believe that, that the reason why God wants us to carry a cross is because that's where the world dies to you. And that's where you die to the world. And on that cross is now when you begin to live heavenly minded. On that cross is where you get to live for a deeper revelation. On that cross is now for where you walk for a greater glory. On that cross you say I died to the pattern of this world. Because the cross has revealed that there is a treasure that is laid for me in heaven. And that's what Paul is saying. If I'm going to boast in anything, it's on The cross. It's on the cross. It's on the cross. He's not interested in the pleasures of this world. The world to Paul, listen, because if you know anything about Paul, he was up in the upcoming. I mean, he was it. Everything that you could desire, he was it. But the world had lost its attraction for him and he for it. Because he found the one who could only completely satisfy. Who are you looking for To find complete satisfaction. And you haven't come to the answer that you're not going to get there unless through the cross. And you're going to find none other than the name and the person of Jesus Christ. Finley says this. He can never believe in it. Never take pride in it. Nor do homage to it anymore. It is stripped of its glory and robbed of its power. To charm or govern him. Thus the cross is a great barrier or dividing line between the world and the child of God. Come on, ex-bastards. You're a son of God. The cross made you a son. And it drew the line. Bastards, move over in line. You're a different, you're a child now. Worship team could come up. My last point is our crown of glory. Our crown of glory. Can I, can I read a verse to you that was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus? It's Isaiah 62, verses 3, 4, and 5, but I'm going to read one section of it, just verse 3 for a moment, because for the sake of, just for the sake, Isaiah 62, look at this. Isaiah 62, verse 3 says, And you shall also, you shall also be a crown of glory. In the hand of the Lord, you shall be a royal diadem. In the hand of your God. What, what a fitting place to almost end that. You know, when you look at Isaiah, he, he's speaking about the children of Israel, the Israelites. But in the New Testament, we also see that God speaks to us the same word. Because now we belong sons of God and sons of Abraham. Amen? And when Isaiah says, you will be a crown of glory, the word translated there and, and we see the word diadem as diadem is is the root word or the same root word that is used to describe describe what would be the headdress the, the headdress of what would be the high priest and, and note that that the crown the headdress are, are not in the head of God of, of Jehovah but rather it's in his hand it says you shall be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord a royal diadem in the hand of your God 
Both are in his hand. The, the crown of glory and the royal diadem. Both are in his hand. Two different Hebrew words here that are translated into one view of things as the hand. And, and when you look at his hand, the first indicates the, the function of, of displaying an object. Here's the crown of glory I'm displaying. It says that the idea is that God is displaying, we could look at this for ourselves and say, displaying us in all of our glory, which is ultimately a manifestation of his redeeming power. So there is in one hand a redemption and a power. And because of that, in his other hand, there is a trophy, a crown to show off to this world. And we could receive that because in his hand, he holds forgiveness and redemption. But he also holds an object of such great worth, which is a crown of glory. And when you read Isaiah, it's our crown of glory. When something is useless to you, what do you do? You throw it away. When something is disgusting, you go ill and you remove your hand from it. But Jesus says, not you. You're the crown of glory in my hand. I'm not disgusted. I show you off. Hold you in my hand, my crown of glory, because of the power of my redemption that I hold in my other hand. You shall be a crown of glory. I want to be a crown of glory in the hand of God. I want to be a royal diadem in the hand of God. I want to, to say, did you check him out? Did you check them out? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, as I end, everyone who completes for this prize is tempered in all things. They obtain it for a perishable crown, but, but we, but us, the believer, the child, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Revelation 2.10 says that the faithful, to be faithful until death and and the Lord will give you the crown of life. I don't know if I'm going to end, but if you guys got this, but there's a cross to be carried. And the crown is, is just that cross away. It's just, it's just right there. It's a lifestyle of death to receive a, an eternity of treasure. The Lord has laid up for us a crown beautiful crown, a crown of life, a crown of righteousness, a crown of splendor, a crown that lasts forever. The Bible says that will not fade away. It's imperishable. It's an imperishable crown. It's a crown of so much glory that our job it's so much how I do this. It's so much glory. It's so, it has so much glory to it that our job is because of its glory we can't do anything else but put it back at his feet. I can't carry this in eternity. It's too much. So the Bible says, I saw him and on his head were many crowns. One of those crowns that he wears on his head has my name on it. Just like when my son brings something from school and it becomes our crown and we put it up on the fridge. It's, it's the ugliest piece of art. 
to you. But to the father and to the mother, it's the most beautiful estate. Oh my God, look what he did. And you're like, that's disgusting. Not to us. I wear it as a crown on my head. My son did this. You guys get what I'm saying? So, so we're in glory. And on his refrigerator, it's, it's our crown. On his head, it's your crown. And he says, I wear this gladly with your name on it. Because oh, you took on the cross gladly with my name on it. I end with that. Lord, thank you for today. I don't even know what else to say. But I want to wear your cross. I want to wear the cross that's been given to me, better said, faithfully with your name on it. So that one day I could give you my crown of glory. And on your head would be many crowns. And then you could wear that crown with my name on it. I pray if there's anyone here that you're dealing with this in their life, that they would pick up their cross, that they would not jump off, that they would not remove a lifestyle away from the cross, but that they would recognize that through the cross, there's a, there's a crown that never fades away. They are the champs. They reign. Help them to bear their cross and to lift up their cross and to follow you all the days of their life. And one day we'll stand before your presence and we will receive the crown of glory. I pray if there's anyone here that today will be a day that they take a step of faith, action. Not like the rich young ruler that walked away sorrowful, but that they would take a step of faith and walked away filled with joy because they stripped themselves from earthly crowns put on a cross today so you know who they are and right now in their seats they need to make that decision if there's someone right now in their seats that needs to make that decision let them make it pick up your cross son pick up your cross daughter and follow me keep following me don't let it go you'll be given a crown that never fades away so today attach yourself to that cross tighter than ever and lift it up at all times. Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this family that you've given us. Let us live with a cross. Let us live with a cross because we live for the crown. Let us live right now with the cross. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Together we say, Amen. Can you stand up with me? And can you give them the greatest praise? This Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. We have midweek. Give someone a hug and say, pick up your cross. There's a crown that awaits you. Come here on Wednesday, 7.30. We're going to grow some more together. And next Sunday's part three. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be special. God is going to continue to do great things. How many of you were blessed by today's word? Come on, give him, give him praise one more time. He deserves it. Give each other a hug.
you are loved. God bless you.